0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me, with me as always, and... Maybe less so than me, but both in some way recovering from like a two-week-long bender is Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on?
1: Hurting, Mike? Hurting? Your family's a good time. It's a hard time. It's a long time. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't know. It's my first. It feels like my first game of golf that actually was like. Exercising, I'm sore in places I've never been sore before, and I don't know how to act because of it. And I think the girdle made it so it's like sore only in my hips parts. So I'm like walking around like SpongeBob is at my waist.
0: Oh, you're bringing around. You're doing the bringing around town thing where you got to move the hips a lot. I'm asking or you, like where do you, you squared off? Where do oh, you, where do
1: you usually get? Where do you usually get sore?
0: See, I I know what's happening to you. And again, if you missed yesterday's podcast. Brandon was a part of our Golick family subpar classic golf outing this past weekend. And, Brandon, you are experiencing right now what we used to always experience at the beginning of training camp, which is that first time you put the helmet back on after a while. Because the first time you put the helmet back on after a while, your body's not ready for it. You can lift all them weights and do all those neck exercises all offseason. But Mm. football Mm -hmm. is such a unique stressor. That ultimately you're going to wake up with that next day, and you're next going to feel like absolute shit. When you play golf for the first time in a long time, golf is one of those sports. It's one side dominant in the way that you swing. It's not super taxing overall, but it uses a bunch of muscles you don't normally use in your daily life. And so you wake up with like weird shit in your hip, your rib cage, all on one side of your body, weirdly
1: sore Mike, little spots. Mike, my ass has been hurting. My ass. And not even the cheeks. It feels like it's inside. It hurts. <laughs> I, I can't really explain that part of it. I don't know what you were doing with that's the clubs. It's not a normal golf thing. It's <laughs> not normal thing to get. Like, just severe ass pain after... Maybe it's the golf cart. Maybe I wasn't ready for the heels. I don't think that's it, Brandon. I think
0: you need to consult your physician or maybe just give up golf. Maybe it was the fact that you wore what was essentially a combined strength level girdle to do 18 holes no. of riding golf in like you did not no. have to carry. And listen, we got a great show coming up for you guys yes, today. Yeah, yeah. It's a Mike and Brandon episode, so this is more of what you can expect, but we've got a lot of news surrounding Baker Mayfield and yes. the Cleveland Browns quarterback situation. Uh sports media and NBA beefs. At an all-time high right now, I think we need to do some brief stock. uh, take stock of who and what to not mess with when it comes to these things because we've got some people getting ready to wade into these waters. We just want to make sure no one crosses any lines. We have big news out of Wimbledon, all sorts of great stuff to get to. But Brandon, I really think it was you wearing an NFL combine level girdle for a round of golf where you were not walking with your bag. You were not walking with a push cart. You were in a motorized cart that was going to carry you from hole to hole. And yet, for some reason, you felt like you had to have your ass and hamstring packed into there like you were smuggling hams for Christmas dinner.
1: Speaking of ass and packed and hamstrings, I think I finally got it. What's really hurting me? We're talking thinking about the weekend. Your butthole. It's it started it started with, with bills, bills barbecue over there, and that brisket they got, and all the other delicious food y'all had and catered, and it was greatest ice cream sandwiches, Ben's pretzels, and I don't know if y'all know what Amish people and pretzels, but uh, the Amish know their way around pretzels in the dark. So I, I think it was all the great food that I had coming in, and and, it, and it's been on its way out. And ma- that mixed with the golf, it's just all one one big ball of pain in my lower lower body. I tell you what,
0: the Amish just know their way around food in general. Like I think of Amish donuts that I've had before. Ooh, the yes. Reading Terminal Market in Philadelphia is chock full it. of like Amish bakeries, Amish bacon that they've got on stands. Pigs in, in a there.
1: blanket are are, are are literally literally a one top flight security first class. The them, them little dog pretzels—they got little pretzels wrapped in dog, wrapped in pretzel, dog, whatever yeah, listen, it is. I
0: know, I know what a pig in a blanket is. And okay, believe I me, if someone
1: know. is coming, if someone's walking
0: into this podcast and they are anti-pigs in a blanket, square up. That's all I'm saying is if we're talking about beef today, (laughs) I have beef with anyone who is anti-pigs in a blanket. It is a pure and unique form of good in this world. It gives you a little surprise inside. Think about that, Brandon. We all love carbs in their various forms, and this one gives you a little meat surprise inside that. What a joy. Like I understand if you don't rock with meat or you don't rock with pork for any sort of like diet or religious reasons, do you? I'm not talking
1: about you. I'm talking about people that just hate nice things for the sake of hating. Yes, yes, yes. That was, I was thinking while I was there that uh, good thing I wasn't on my vegan diet. I wouldn't have been able to uh, house so much grade A meat. But anyways, uh, back to – who were we talking about?
0: Back to you talking – I mean, we were talking about you and the way your butt no. felt after a round of golf, Brandon.
1: <laughs> well, were, we, were, we were past that. You had made a segue <laughs> –
0: no, we we hadn't made it past that. We were talking about pigs in a blanket, but I can segue. Oh, uh, the for Amish, you. the
1: Amish, the Amish. We were talking about the Amish.
0: <laughs> you made me think I had like seguated to talking about sports and said we're celebrating well, a people
1: oh. with unique culinary gifts. Speaking of Amish, uh, Baker Baker Mayfield. <laughs> no, don't, don't put him on them. Just the, they, the Baker they thing. The, 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 they know oh, the way around the You should have things. said speaking of
0: baking. Oh,
1: Or man, bakers. Man. It was right that. there. That's why you that, do
0: it. Go ahead. That is a fair point. Uh, Brandon, Baker Mayfield yesterday. Uh, this is interesting. So we're... Kind of in that middle ground of NFL offseason. So most teams have finished up OTAs, mini camp, all that stuff. We're in that hiatus till NFL training camp. And so usually this is not a lot going on in the calendar year. With the Browns, we know it's been a little bit different this offseason for a variety of we- reasons. Deshaun Watson is in the midst of his hearing before the NFL and the NFL Players Association jointly uh, appointed disciplinary officer, Sue Robinson. It started on Tuesday, it's going to continue today, And according to ESPN's Dan Graziano, the NFL is expected to push for a suspension of at least a year. Now, I've heard the NFLPA is doing – when we talked to Dominique Foxworth about this, who used to be the executive vice president of the NFLPA, it is their job to push back in the name of precedent. And one of the things that we've heard the PA might be arguing in favor of is the fact that you have seen NFL owners – who have got stepped out of line in similar circumstances. We're going through it with Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders right now and have not been punished to the extent that players have been punished. I understand them going after that. I still think this is ultimately going to land on that year suspension range for Deshaun Watson. But regardless, that's why the Browns have been in focus for so much of this offseason because they gave yeah. Deshaun Watson $230 million while that's playing out.
1: Well, first off, they said before Deshaun Watson was in the picture for them, allegedly, they told Baker Mayfield or they told the media that they're looking for an adult at quarterback to step in and take over. Yeah, holy shit is that that quote aged badly. Good Lord. Right. That's why so on the same day where Baker Mayfield is trying to, you know, tell everyone we're moving on amicably – because they was out here talking wild shit about me. And I didn't deserve that disrespect, especially not when I was going out there trying to do the best I could with this shoulder that was put together with Play-Doh. So I think that there is a legitimate reason for Baker Mayfield to be peeved and beefed. But I'm wondering what the holdup is for him being somewhere. And I don't, know, I don't know if this is going to take you too far left from where we were supposed to be talking about, but no, this
0: well, this is exactly what we're supposed to be talking about. Is so for people that may have missed it, Baker Mayfield was back at his football camp, his youth football camp that he puts on in Norman, Oklahoma, where he played college football at the University of Oklahoma. And he was asked about his future with the Browns, and while he didn't completely rule out the possibility of coming back. He said, quote, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out on the part of the Browns, you can assume from that statement. He also said, but we're ready to move on, I think, both sides. So Baker Mayfield has never been one to shy away from saying what he feels about the situation with his employer publicly. Last year, he came out and was very public about his injury status that you mentioned there and that he was fighting through that, that he was playing hurt for the better of the team in his eyes. And he doesn't feel like that was rewarded. And so, Brandon, we've seen the way they've gone about this offseason. Like, in addition to Deshaun Watson being on that roster, you also brought in Josh Dobbs, the former Tennessee quarterback who's been with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jacoby Brissett, who has been one of the more high-level journeyman Mm. backup quarterbacks in the NFL, most recently with the Miami Dolphins. But we saw him in the Andrew Luck era as well in Indianapolis. So that's a full room that I always thought, once you saw those signings in addition to Watson, like it was very clear, we don't want Baker here anymore. The problem is, the market's kind of dried up around them. And the teams that you thought might be players in that, Seattle and Carolina, who have really been the ones that have been bantered around with this, have been sort of slow playing this. We know with Seattle, they've got Geno Smith up there, who has been a backup with that team already. They brought Drew over in the trade that sent Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. And then in Carolina, they're trying to figure out what's going to be the situation with their coach next year. They've also got a guy who is a former first-round pick that they took a flyer, a flyer on in Sam Darnold from the New York Jets. So both of those teams are kind of in weird quarterback limbo of their own right that may not make them a perfect landing spot for Baker Mayfield, who is... Is the guy standing after an offseason full of some quarterback musical chairs? And so, Brandon, I think that's why we're in the situation we're in now. And the question is, does any part of that change going into camp and do the Browns just end up getting rid of Baker Mayfield for pennies on the dollar? Because Carolina giving the Jets what I believe was a second-round pick or something in that range for Sam Darnold in that Mm -hmm. range looks bad and has aged really poorly Giving anything more for Baker Mayfield at this point when you know the Cleveland Browns aren't really in a position to ask, especially with Baker coming out and saying stuff like this publicly, feels like it is very, very unlikely coming off that injury season as well.
1: At this point in time, is Baker Mayfield lucky or would he be lucky to get a spot on an NFL team next season? Like, is he, is he, would he be? fortunate to be a starter in the NFL next year because I think there's places for Baker Mayfield to be if he's willing to humble himself, if he's willing to fight for a starting position because I think he's one of those guys that can make a roster in those first three weeks when everything goes haywire and there's injuries left and right and uh, there's, there's more answers to all the questions that what is an offense and how late are we you know, making shit up on the fly. Look at the Washington Commanders last year and uh, their quarterback situation. We'll get to their main wide receiver later on in this podcast. But I, at this point in time, I think Baker will be fortunate to find himself anywhere near the chair he was in the last few seasons since he's been in the NFL.
0: I don't think Baker's going to go into next season as a starter. I think he absolutely is capable of being someone's backup quarterback. I think Baker's personality being outspoken, as he has been over the years, has been a topic of conversation, understandably, and we know how often that comes up for guys that are going to be backup quarterbacks. It's usually something people tend to lob at black quarterbacks more than anybody else. True. So, but Cam, but,
1: but Cam Newton did raise his hand at that uh, when he had his, his uh, magical hat an interview with his dad, and he said, you know, I was going to be a distraction. Like, me, I wouldn't be a distraction, but my presence, I couldn't be in that room and everything be cool.
0: And listen, Cam Newton's a wildly different case based on what he had accomplished, who Cam Newton usually is as a leader on teams, and just a presence in the NFL. Former MVP. I didn't didn't mean it like that, but with Baker Mayfield – it's really going to be about which version of the quarterback, because we've seen so many different versions of Baker Mayfield during his time with the Browns. Obviously, he came in under Hugh Jackson. He was with Kenny uh, 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 Freddie Kitchens, excuse me, Kitchens, for yeah. that year after they fired Hugh Jackson, that went so famously bad. And now with Kevin Stefanski, there was good in the year that they made the playoffs. You know, famously took a Patrick Mahomesless Chiefs team down to the wire in the AFC playoffs. And then last year, where the bottom dropped out because of injury again. I tend to think when Baker Mayfield, and if he is fully healthy and recovered from that shoulder injury, is a really high-end backup quarterback this season. He's not going to go in and be anyone's starter. If he landed in Seattle, I think there's a chance that he could push for that starting job. I think he's certainly better than Drew Locke already based on what we've seen from those two quarterbacks. And I think Geno Smith has been in the league for a long time but hasn't played meaningful football as recently as Baker Mayfield or has as much reps of that as Baker Mayfield. He'd operate the offense. I'm assuming the way Pete Carroll's going to want to run it in the post-Let Russ Cook era, it would just be about what financial terms that's under. I did a hit yesterday on a Seattle radio station and said – He's got that guaranteed money in that fifth-year option of his contract, and... Wouldn't be in a place that Seattle could take it on? Would they have to rework some sort of small extension to smooth that out? I don't know if he's worth all that trouble for Seattle right now, Brandon, because I think it would benefit them to just find out what you've got and risk being bad so that you can be in a better position in next year's draft than to all of a sudden declare yourself eligible for what I'd imagine would be something closer to mediocrity with Baker Mayfield. And if you were tied there longer financially or got yourself into that position, see that Carolina Panthers team we talked about with Sam Darnold, like that seems pretty instructive with how to not go about this situation. And I understood some of the risk with Sam Darnold when I thought that you were going to give Matt Rule a lot longer timeline, but that situation seems to have gone to shit a lot faster than most people anticipated. Pete Carroll, there might be a little bit more stability But I think at this point, all things considered, you're probably best just waiting out the situation that you've got in Seattle. So I don't know how realistic an option that is, Brandon. But to your point, I still think if Baker Mayfield was on your team, he is capable of being a really solid backup quarterback.
1: I like the idea of him being the new quarterback that sets the market for the bridge quarterback you already said Jacoby Brissett signed somewhere uh Ryan Fitzpatrick's retired he used to be the one that kind of set the tone for what Tyrod Taylor if if I'm saying it uh, correctly uh Tyrod um, but I think Baker Mayfield's that new guy and he can fill that role and I think if he can take it on the chin the way Ryan Fitzpatrick has his entire career then we can see we can still be talking about Baker Mayfield for a very very long time in the future which would be yeah. Really fun, because I like watching him play. Like, hey, he, he he won that playoff game for the Browns for the first time in a long time. He became the answer, even in the interim, uh, for the Browns for the first time in a long time for a reason. Because he has that get ball, see ball type of high school instincts. and But with that, he makes head-scratching plays. Like, ignoring Odell Beckham for week in and week out.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean... There is the, especially when you talk about a backup quarterback, there is that interpersonal part of it. And I think for a lot of people, seeing the response of the rest of that Browns team to the way the situation played out with Odell is noteworthy. I don't think Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that necessarily elevates your team beyond the sum of all its parts. I think the Browns mm. did a really good job of putting a lot of good stuff around him. Remember, they brought over Jack Conklin on that offensive line. They brought, you know, they had the receiving situation you just described there. They had built up things around him, including a defense with a defensive, end, you know, cal- defensive yeah. player of the year caliber guy in Miles Garrett on the other side. So, I think so much of that situation. Allowed Baker Mayfield to go out there and be a Jared Goff level quarterback like that's Ooh. probably Brandon. The comp is he can go out and in ideal circumstances when he's healthy, give you some winning plays uh, mixed I, in I, in a system that is going. He's just Jared Goff with an attitude like that. No, that's I, really I, talent I, my, wise where I think he
1: lies. I would like I would like to go with that analogy because I think it's perfect. Outside of the fact that Jared Goff got traded apples to apples for the Super Bowl winning quarterback last year. Like, they used to think Matt Stafford and Jared Goff, somebody, two different teams thought Matt Stafford and Jared Goff were similar quarterbacks. And I don't think that's even fair then. To Matt Stafford, regardless of how bad his football team is, and he proved it by winning the Super Bowl with the Rams that was already stacked. So I, I, I well just, Jared I, Goff, Jared Goff now after just, well, after just no, just to know that was or, or that was the Lions.
0: That was not an apples to apples trade at all. Just a, it 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 was Jared Goff a 2021 third round pick, a okay. first round pick in 2022 and in 2023. So they gave up like I think essentially two or three ones. Along with Jared Goff to get him out of there for Matthew Stafford. So it was clear how they felt. It was clear how they felt about him, is all I'm saying, Brandon. And like Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think Baker Mayfield, like in that range, guys that can go out in competent systems and win you football games. Like, I don't think Baker Mayfield's a bad player. I think Baker Mayfield made the mistake of buying into the team, the team, the team. I'm going to go out and show you. I'm tough guy in the NFL in a league that doesn't often reward that. If you're not playing up to par, like right, wrong, or indifferent, once you're out there playing, even if you're not hundred percent, that's only going to buy you so much goodwill from a team when the product looks like it did last year for the Browns.
1: I, okay. But I love that you said that. Cause I'm now I'm thinking, and I don't want to spend too much more time on this. Baker Mayfield, Jimmy G, Jared Goff, who are you starting your franchise around? In twenty
0: man. in twenty twenty two twenty twenty two twenty twenty three season, man. In a all right, knowing what we know now, probably Jimmy G, just because I think yeah. He, you know, and a lot of that is you know oh, yeah. he's he's operated an offense that's super in vogue in the NFL right now. Like every there's so many teams running some version of Shanahan's offense. He's mobile enough. He's I think he's the most mobile of the three. I think he can get you out of some trouble. He's been around a competent organization long enough to absorb a lot of that stuff. Jared Goff, you could say the same about. Maybe the Moxie thing comes into play a little bit for Jared Goff and me. He always looked like he was wearing his older brother's pads, and maybe that kind of yeah. sticks in my craw a little Ooh. bit. But I, no
1: asset, Nassatal over there, no asset at all. I listen. I I would say Jared Goff just because he's been he's been built up more recently than the other two. Because I really think Dan Campbell and that Lions team, and they're all trying to work together. They kind of all realize they're. You know, bad news bears type of team, and I think that Jared Goff has more confidence in himself than Jimmy G might. Obviously, he's got the accolades. He's been in the second to biggest game multiple times in his career, in his short career. Um, and you would think to go him, but the decisions that he makes are just so bad. Like when you think, when you see the decisions that Jared Goff makes and Baker Mayfield make it's like, okay, you made a bad decision because you were looking at something completely wrong, and you shouldn't be looking like that. As a quarterback. Jimmy G is like, what? No, literally, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? Would you like you should not you should not throw that ball or you shouldn't have it all loosey goosey. Like he just makes too many like game altering mistakes where I feel like Jared Goff and and Baker Mayfield at least gives the defense a chance to uh, to defend themselves outside of Jared Goff's pick sixes.
0: Well, Honestly. I will say, Jared Goff texted, tested Dan Campbell's patience on multiple occasions last year. Yeah, it was. I'm I'm going back and looking this up now. When the Lions played the Bengals. There were so many, and the Lions lost so many of those heartbreakers late in the year, like late in the game when they were still defeated at the beginning part of the season. Mm-hmm. And Dan Campbell got asked about Jared Goff, and he said, "quote I feel like he needs to step up more than he has, and I think he needs to help us like everybody else. I think he's going to need to put a little bit of weight on his shoulders here, and it's time to step up, make some throws, and do some things. Like he tested that man, and you, like you said, Dan Campbell and that staff." awesome we've talked to like guys that are known our former Notre Dame uh athletes guys that we know there have raved about Dan Campbell and a staff full of former pros and so for Dan Campbell who has been around this league as long as he has as a player and now as a coach to come out and say that that's a certain level of frustration that I think is just indicative of who Jared Goff is he's not a bad True. person and he's not a bad quarterback but he's not going to be a guy that you can expect to go outside of the system or often enough to be the quarterback of a team like the Lions. So that's why, for me, again, Jimmy G, it might just be the system fit thing and more an indictment of Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield, why I'd take him top of the three. But it's by the slimmest of margins on all of them. Because, again, they're all fine quarterbacks. They're all quarterbacks that can win you games in the right circumstances. It's just how often do you think that can be the case?
1: Baker Mayfield, though, is fine with glitter. And I think that should be noted.
0: He, What well, Baker Mayfield is still, I will say to this, and we will get on to the next subject here, the best acting quarterback in the NFL, bar none. Those commercials for State Farm were world-class. I still oh, I want to see Baker Mayfield succeed enough in his career and get back into a point in his career where he can host Saturday Night Live because that is what we deserve Ooh. as a football-watching public. I know sure. everyone rightly raves. I just saw highlights the other day from Peyton Manning's appearance on there where he's beaning those little kids with the footballs and all that stuff. Yes, I so think good. Baker Mayfield would make that show sing in a way we haven't seen in a while from an athlete there. So that's all I want. That is my hope for Baker Mayfield yeah. as this continues to go on. But again, it, it, to me, Carolina seems like the one to keep an eye on. There's been so much pre-draft and post-draft flirtation there. I was never hurt sure how serious they were, but it just feels like the only place that could have a coach desperate enough for that change, it'll just be whether or not the organization wants to go and continue to shuffle the deck like that, maybe feeling like Matt Rule is not long
1: for this world. Is it? Am I tripping or is that – uh, two people in the same quarterback class in the in in the same quarterback room. That Baker, uh, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, or is it one year after each other? Uh no,
0: that. Uh, so the 2018 NFL draft was Baker Mayfield at one overall, Josh Allen at seven to the Bills, and then uh, Sam Darnold was
1: three that year. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. One and three in the same locker room for the, for the Patriots would be
0: absolutely wild, would be absolutely wild. So that's the situation in Cleveland, which again, I know there's some people that think that maybe if the Deshaun Watson suspensions a year, he somehow ends up there. I think Cleveland, we go back to the contract structure, always had a feeling Deshaun Watson could be gone for the season. We know he's not going to lose much money if that happens. I just think already looking at the way they've structured the rest of that quarterback and what's transpired, too much would have to happen in too little time for me to believe Baker Mayfield lining up under center for the Browns in 2022 is a realistic option. I will just say that. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. But Brandon, let's move on here because we got beef. We got real beef going on in the streets with Kyrie Irving and Stephen A. Smith. And it's noteworthy to me, Brandon, less because it's actually happening, like... Stephen A. Smith being outspoken in his criticism of certain athletes is something that we have come to expect. He is a guy who speaks his mind pretty freely, especially when it comes to the NBA, a league that he reported on and covered for a long time before he got to the chair at the first take desk. Like, we know that's the
1: case. And if you're a real OG in these streets, you know about, quite frankly, with Stephen A. Smith. So, he's been out here.
0: He has, in fact, been out here. So, Stephen A. Smith, uh, after the news broke the other day of Kyrie Irving uh, declaring his intention to opt into his player option to take what was essentially $37 million to come back for one year with the Brooklyn Nets. Stephen A. put out a video that was pretty critical of Kyrie Irving, essentially uh, referencing a a comment Kyrie Irving had made where he had called some group of people peons. And Stephen A. essentially said, now him coming back for a one-year deal when he probably believed he was worth the max makes Kyrie a peon too. Stephen A. said he's going to actually have to show up if he wants to earn that money, prompted Kyrie Irving to hop on Twitter, which I feel like doesn't happen all that often, and reply saying, quote, You're going to have to explain yourself to people in your generation. I'm not around many 50-plus-year-olds that speak and act like you do, so this is new for me. But I am sure my father and uncles can meet you on your level better than I can. We know you, all caps, STEPHEN. We know
1: you, Stephen.
0: I will say, Brandon, just right off the bat, and Stephen A. issued a lengthy, you know, one of those too long, didn't read, like, yes. I'm sorry that happened to you, or congratulations, like, I'm not going to read all that. Essentially, saying he'd be happy to sit down with Kyrie's uncle who he respects, or you know, Stephen A's normal follow up to that, which he is, I think, delivered on time and time again. He's not afraid to sit down and talk to anybody or to meet up with anybody, like that's never been Stephen A's way. He has said time and time again, he is notoriously easy to find if you want to have a conversation with him. So, that response to me, we can get to in a second, Brandon, but I will say. Kevin Durant calling Stephen A. Smith Steve is so much better than Kyrie calling him Steven. This is just like him losing to hashtag stay mellow with the all even or whatever it was from Kyrie Irving. Calling Stephen A. Smith Steve as a dig from Kevin Durant is much better than Steven.
1: Yeah, you said it's rare that uh, Kyrie gets shaken out of his Twitter tree to reply, but he's been doing it a lot lately. Uh, I believe uh, Barstool Sports posted something about uh, it was the the infamous uh, Joker leaving, walking away from the hospital as it blows up, and it said Kyrie Irving leaving every NBA team he's ever been a part of, and Kyrie replied and said, and tried to correct, and said NBA champion, gold medalist Kyrie Irving. It's like uh, like that has nothing to do with anything. Kyrie, like like you could tell just by him responding to that, you know Kyrie is. Uh, he's in June too. He's, he's a little bit, he's, he's been out of the playoffs for a long time. He's been tapped in. He knows there's not a lot of content and all the content is surrounding him. He's out here putting out lists and shit. So I think it, it, it is time. He's, he's inspired by his brother, Kevin Durant, who continues to be hilarious on Twitter at all hours of the night.
0: Yeah, I, I I do always wonder that with Kyrie because he is so famously aloof from most of us in the media. We went through that song and dance before the season last year where he wasn't initially showing up to press meetings and said he wasn't going to do that in the normal way. and And he's always marched to the beat of his own drum on that stuff. But Brandon, this is one of those things where Stephen A. At sometimes goes too hard for my taste on that stuff. It feels a little bit too personal. He'll always say it is grounded in what he has been told by people around the league and usually bases his opinions off that. But it's to me like also just kind of indicative of the time we're at right now where you mentioned Kevin Durant and what he's done with Stephen A. Smith firing back online. Kyrie Irving doing it in that way. We saw Kendrick Perkins and Draymond Green beefing online after Draymond had some very pointed remarks about Kendrick Perkins. And it's not the first time we've seen that. We've seen Russell Westbrook going back at Skip Bayless the other day online after Skip Bayless called him Westbrook like – I know Draymond always says the new media thing, but what we're very much seeing is the generation of online athlete who's more than willing to have it out with you. Even like the guys that have been, like I said, Kyrie Irving, more notoriously quiet. Russell Westbrook, I don't feel like has always engaged. And this could be a blind spot for me, but we're just getting it all at once right now where guys are sick and tired of the way that they feel. Like they're talked about at times in the media. And Brandon, I will say, part of it is a good reminder Like, I'll never forget it was one summer in the NFL offseason when Eddie Lacy's weight was a topic of conversation. And this is a little bit of a different tenor. But I remember him coming out and saying the way it was talked about affected him. And it affected how he perceived himself, that mental health was a conversation then. And it was that reminder that, like, all of us, even people that played... After a while, you can be so far removed if you're not around locker rooms all the time or if you're not in stadiums all the time, you can be far removed enough to where, all right, it does become this sort of soap opera that's playing out before you and you can forget. I'm not I'm not going to put that on other people. It's happened and I've done it before where I look back and go, oh yeah, the, that was across the line. That's someone's livelihood or that's someone's physical appearance or this thing that they can't control that... I would have had a problem with it. Someone had said that about a teammate of mine and... It's why I'm so thankful I get to call college football games, especially because when I talk about coaches and teams, I got to think, all right, I'm going to see these people. And so I need to make sure what I'm saying is something that I am comfortable having to answer to. And that is always a part of this conversation that I think for a while when there was more of a gap between the players being covered and the people saying the words, maybe you didn't get this much reaction now. Now, so much overlap in these arenas between social media and podcasting occurs that you get called to the mat a lot more often. And a lot of me thinks, in a lot of cases... That's a good thing. Now, at times, do things get misinterpreted? Absolutely. But I think in general, as a sports watching and a sports covering group, it's always good for us to remember people are listening. And the words
1: that you choose
0: do matter and affect players and their families and everybody involved because we live that firsthand and we know that firsthand.
1: Yeah, but I, I I do think there's a difference between being honest and being theatrical and entertaining. And I think that's this where we're at now, where like it needs to be – Stephen A. needs to uh, ratchet up the Ric Flair a little bit to get the athlete's attention because I hear you about being – like saying something that you, you shouldn't really say. I'll say this. I was talking mad shit about uh, Dwight Howard when he got traded to the, to the Lakers the season before the, the bubble season. I saw him the last day in LA at a salt and straw, and I was terrified to approach him, say anything, even though it's like you know one of my not one of my favorite players. You know, a big monument. I would have said I would have spoken to him had I not been talking shit. But I was like, let me keep the same energy and not not approach this man because I do think that it's important to be honest in these situations as well like i think i see i see your dad do a really good job of it and i think a lot of former players struggle to be honest with their opinions of the situation and the individual in the situation and and trying not to be uh, offensive but i think it all comes down to like what the skip bayless method and ironic that skip and Stephen a are beefing as well draymond talked about this on uh the old man in the three podcast with jj reddick uh, and we'll we'll get to that, but it's interesting that now it's like, oh, will you say it to someone? Will you say it to my face? It's like uh, this is my job to offend you and to get ratings from it and get this beef going. Like, of course I'm gonna say it to your face. Like, and if you and if we get in a fight, that I did my job on that level too. When Skip Bayless and Des Bryant were getting into it on Twitter when Undisputed first started, that was great for Undisputed's ratings. Like, the, where everyone's in the uh, Post-show meetings, like, oh, this is keep keeping it up. Like, what else can Skip say to Dez? You know what I mean? Like, because Dez will just, it's it's now now it's a meme. It's like, oh nope, that's bait. Like, yes, there's bait laid all the way around here, especially from these guys who are holding the fishing poles, like Stephen A. Smith, like to, to Kyrie and KD. But I do think it is time now that the athletes do clap back, and for whatever reason, and keep it keep it a buck when they see each other in person. I, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal. The last thing, I, and I, this is, I'll lay out after this, Kevin Durant clapped back at Shaquille O'Neal for coming at Rudy Gobert saying he's pissed off that he makes $250 million. Uh, and, and KD's like, Shaquille is tripping. You're a millionaire, bro. Leave him alone. Right? I personally love that Shaq is constantly annoyed with Rudy Gobert. <laughs> As a, as a center, as a big man, as like this important, like big in the NBA right now, like I love that. That's the energy of things. Also, Chuck just being like dead wrong about half the shit he says. Like, I, I want that because I don't think they're being fugazi as much as I think Stephen A. Smith is feeding into the cycle See, I, and I, I, Skip I, Bayless is playing a character.
0: I'll disagree with that on Stephen A.'s front. I don't know Skip Bayless enough to speak on him. Like, me, we didn't cross paths all that much when I was at ESPN. So, I won't speak on that. Like, it, it, you're right that things get hammed up. We all do that for television. The difference, I think, is like doing something to be purposely offensive is always going to be a bridge too far for me in that approach. The tough part becomes when it is guys like Shaq. And now when you've got a guy like Draymond Green as well, who's a part of the media, who can come out and was, you know, a, the podcast you referenced, had a lot of choice boards for Skip Bayless, who has said a lot of things about him. Like, that all happens, but you get a guy like Shaq, who's got this unassailable resume, who is one of the most dominant players to ever play, who then feels like a couple between that and then the physical size, because so much of what you mentioned is that thin veil of, Hey, say it to my face in the way that, like, oh, you get your ass beat. Like, we know none of these people are going to go out here and actually beat someone's ass because they've all got too much money to throw away on something wild like that. Like, as much as everyone brings that up, it's not actually going to happen because everyone involved is too smart to give away money off something as dumb as a sports beef like this. But that is a part of it with Shaq is he is seven foot two, almost 400 pounds or whatever the hell he is. And he had the career he did. So he can pop off here and say whatever he wants and his, and I hear Dan Levitard say this all the time. Shaq can just go out with the criticism of, well, this player should do more of what I did knowing full well that no other players that we have are physically capable of doing what Shaq did. So it creates this endless loop where you're right. Conflict does sell ultimately in all of this, but I do just wonder what point it gets to and like, at what point people continue to believe it because the closer and closer this all gets, the more and more situations like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless beefing about who made first take great. Starts to look like a work where we go, well, all these people are a part of the media in some way, shape or form, whether it is traditional media or like Draymond always talks about new media. At some point when you're in the game and you understand how it works, people are, I think, going to start to wonder the way I did with Skip and Stephen A., all right, these guys have been friends for a long time and both of them know the conflict business. It looks like something that could have been manufactured so that everybody gets the bump in publicity, the bump in downloads that get going on here. So all of that, I think, is a very genuine way to look at this conversation, Brandon. I I think it's fascinating. And again, I think it's just a good reminder to like, be willing to back up what you say and use that as a governor to make sure that you're still treating these people involved like human beings. And that cuts both ways. Draymond Green said the media and players should be a partnership because everyone is benefiting in this process in a way that grows this thing to the level that a lot of these professional leagues have done. And I think that's always a good reminder. That's always the way I think I I approach covering college football, which just for me and my background is the sport that I feel like I have the most to offer. It's the one where I had a career that I think can allow me to actually speak on it and contribute in a meaningful way. And also one where my perspective as a former player Always brings me back to, I want to do right by the people involved in the arena. I want to do mm-hmm. right by the players more than anything else. And so with that, I'm always the most careful about what I say there when I really think I need to, and a lot of people need to transfer the way that they talk about the thing they're closest to, to the other stuff in the way that we just respect the people involved. Doesn't mean you can't get jokes right. off. Doesn't mean you can't right. like have fun and talk shit and do stuff like that, but when everyone's got to know where the line is and I think just that reminder that we're getting because the athlete and the media that covers it and the fans that watch it have never been closer than they are right now and we're seeing some people just fed up with the way they've been talked about after a long time so that is fascinating to me Brandon the other thing that I want to get to now is and and we'll do this and then we'll we'll take a break and we'll get to this that and the third because we got plenty of good stuff to get to there but As we look at this now on the sports media side, we've seen players willing to go and pop off. Are there any people that you think that, like, you shouldn't try? Because if I am, like, power ranking the people in sports media that I don't really want to beef with, especially we'll stick with the NBA on this one, to me it is a pretty easy number one. I don't want parts with Woj. Why Woj? Why Woj? Because if, I'm a, if you're a player, do you want to be out here talking bleep about Woj? That man's going to know where your next destination is before you do. Like, Woj, Woj knows okay. too much and is too much part of the fabric of the NBA and the way that things are done around there. That's not the guy that I want to throw stones at here. And listen, I got to work alongside Woj, was a great teammate at ESPN, but you just see how much information he is privy to. I don't know if you're a current player if that's the guy that you want to be barking at. Like... Even mm. even Pat Beverly, who is one of the biggest shit talkers and instigators in the league, gone on Woj's podcast. I saw him when the NBA All-Star was in Chicago, like was there with Woj. Like, I think everyone kind of understood that sort of godfather feeling around Adrian Wojnowski, ESPN's NBA insider, and I think with good reason.
1: Yeah, I, I ain't I ain't afraid of Woj. And I and I want somebody to start beefing with him too, so so I can start I, seeing I, little well, little what, pieces of the rap. Like it's not what, a, it can't what, be as strong as Lil B's curse.
0: I I just want to say this. You will not start beef with Adrian Wardenowski on this podcast because I'm not. I'm just. I'm just. Not. I'm just saying. If you were feeling froggy, we want this podcast to do well. We want well, Adrian Wardenowski to look on this podcast well. We don't want any problems there. We won't have any problems there. We're not going to okay, say anything listen, that would cause problems there. When it
1: when it comes to inside sources and and the the know how and the the information, uh, the the Matt Damon. In Goodwill Hunting style knowledge of the game, you can go to Woj. When it comes to these takes <laughs> about the NBA, <laughs> I might have them beat.
0: There we go. Effort well done there. So Woj would Woge would be number one for me. I pre I appreciate I appreciate the attempt on that one, I'm just inching up to it slowly and then backing away. The <laughs> other ones you mentioned. Charles Barkley and Shaq. That's not the blender I want to get caught up in because you're never going to win. For all the reasons that we said, Barkley has found the way to be the guy that everyone loves no matter what he does and that only grows stronger as he commentates the match and does all these things outside of the NBA on TNT. So, I wouldn't want any problems there. The other one, we mentioned his name, J.J. Redick. He's too smart and well-loved. Yes. He is going to act like we've seen him remixing mad dog and everyone on first take. Like that's not the guy you want to be opposite. He just like, he's too buttoned up and he's too good at all this. Don't want any problems there. Do want him as a guest at some point on this podcast too. So JJ, if any of your people are listening, call us. We'd love to have you. This is the one, Brandon, is there anyone else I'm missing here? Because like, there are certain people like, no one's going to beef with Doris Burke. She's beloved and respected by everybody in NBA circles. She's the GOAT. She's the godfather. Josiah Johnson, I thought of maybe as someone covering the league. Too meme savvy. You'd get interneted into oblivion. If you wanted to have that conversation on God's internet, Josiah is going to dunk you there. And he's just a really nice guy who doesn't generally tend to say abrasive things like that.
1: I, I thought uh, Richard Jefferson used to be somebody you could joke around with, but he's gotten funnier since he's been by a tear. And he'll roast your ass and he'll flame you like a pig. You know what I'm saying? Like really, 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 really bad. So I, I, I would say him. And then also like in general, like I know this person. I have his phone number. Uh, we spent time in his home together. Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes. Mm. I mean, the, the, the infamous Matt Barnes, like I him and Stack 5, like the the All the Smoke podcast. Yeah. I don't think anyone wants smoke with the All the Smoke
0: podcast. No, that is that is definitely real. That is a that a very glaring omission on my part. You're very, very right on that. So, uh, as always, download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review with the NBA personality or media member you at least want beef with if you are a current NBA star here. I think we've hit on some good ones. Let me know if we're missing anybody.
1: Do you know any black belts? Like, because you you know people's, like, really backgrounds. Like, is Bomani Jones, like, a secret black belt? Oh, Michael Smith. Michael Smith, a brother from another. Uh, his and hers. The Sixth fame. He's, 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 like, Taekwondo. He knows all those shits.
0: Well, and, like, so him and Bomani are interesting because, as general takes men, they're not waters I want to wade in. I didn't know the black belt thing about Michael Smith, and now I like, Anyone with sort of martial arts training or wrestling background, like UFC fighters, no, don't want those problems. That's why you don't get in fights in Vegas, because you have like a one in three chance of the person that you're fighting who's like under five nine being a trained UFC fighter and sticking three on your chin before you have any idea what's up. Like all of a sudden you're looking at the sky and the Bellagio and your face hurts. That's not where I want to be. which is juicy today, by the way. Mm -hmm. One time for money coming out to young people who we love seeing getting paid. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver for the Washington Commanders, signed a three-year extension worth up to $71 million in new money that also includes a $28 million signing bonus, the largest given to any wide receiver, and 76.4% of the new money in the deal is guaranteed well deserved, Brandon. Ever since he came there out of Ohio State, he has been a clear number one receiver. He has done that in the midst of a very uncertain quarterback situation, which will continue this year, by the way, with them trying to do the reclamation project on Carson Wentz. But glad they got that deal want done. Terry McLaurin had had to hold out this offseason. That comes to an end, and he is well paid, and we'll be back on the market again as a young player in this league. So seems like a no-brainer for Washington and now puts a fair amount of pressure on the Seattle Seahawks, who have a very upset DK Metcalf on their sidelines. Mm.
1: Yes, all those, those young wide receivers getting paid that deserve to get paid. He's on that list. Uh, shout out to him, Terry, uh, Cathedral High School uh anytime we obviously spend so much time in south bend anytime these indiana guys end up uh making some noise and being the top of anything in the nfl is really exciting he went to the same high school that zach martin uh went to and a lot of other uh great uh indiana uh oh no zach martin went to does that go to cathedral
0: no I was I was wondering I was gonna let you I was gonna let you finish on that one but no he didn't but to your Bishop, point
1: did he go to, he, Bishop Bishop, Chittard? Bishop, Chittard, Chittard, Bishop yeah Chittard. Him, and, him and
0: his brother Nick are both of Bishop Chitard fans excuse
1: fam. me the Cathedral Bishop Chitard there's a lot of powerhouses in Indianapolis and I apologize I won't say any more of them Warren Central um, Ben Davis but but this guy this guy right here saved me saved me on my fantasy team last year. was the only point producer uh a a constant uh shining star on on my in my lineup so uh, i'm I'm looking forward to him continuing to make waves and top five wide receivers paid seems jarring but like you said you look at the numbers and the consistency it's like it makes sense
0: yep absolutely makes sense there and especially on that team like He has been such a consistent performer on a team that has struggled. We saw last year, even the first-round picks you had on defense had had issues there. Their offense has waxed and waned under the watch of different quarterbacks, and all the while, Terry McLaurin's been the one balling out for them. So Washington Commanders have a ton of problems as an organization. That is a messy house. Terry McLaurin's not one of them. Carson Wentz has to be thrilled about this, by the way, because as that guy is looking to try and show people he can still play football, that would have been hard as shit with Terry McLaurin, either not there or pissed off at the situation. So that's a huge win for him. I still don't know how that works with Carson Wentz. Ultimately, I think just injury and the mental toll of what he's been through probably means that's not going to be the most successful marriage. That's still, you know, a bottom of the barrel NFC East team, but they got a ball and ass wide receiver. DK Metcalf has got to be trying to put the clamps on Seattle now because he also walks into a tough quarterback situation this year that we talked about earlier, so mm, 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 mm. pay the, pay the free show wide receivers on your team. It's going to be interesting how that continues to go because we know wide receivers becoming one of those positions huge influxes of young talent every year in the draft, but True. We're not gonna say that right now because we love seeing young people get paid. So go off Terry McLaurin, no-brainer payday there. Brandon, with that being said, it's time to get to this. You know what time it is.
1: This, that, and the. I said this, that, and the. This, (laughs) this is the remix God. This, that, and
0: You got lost in the middle of that one, didn't you?
1: Well, you know I I, I was trying to be Yeah You know what?
0: It happens, Brandon Players mess up from time to time
1: Players messed up, you know what I'm saying? And you I, you, sal- know, you salvaged
0: about- it at the end You hit it with the remix We got something out of that
1: one, it felt good See, first of all, so that's what I need to do. I need to, I need to learn what I learned for the manpons ad and put this that third to popular jingle, digestible.
0: There we go, Brandon. Your love
1: language might just be jingles,
0: mm. and we love that about you. Hey, yes, we love okay. that about okay. you. Okay, learning uh, every day, every day, every day. Uh, Brandon, let's get to this. Um, this is wild. So, uh, Freddie Freeman over the weekend made his return trip back to Atlanta where he was a part of the Braves World Series run, had been around there, had been a guy that was you know, really a fixture of that Brave squad. And we know last year, after the Braves World Series win, he becomes a guy that left in free agency. He joined the Dodgers, which on the surface people aren't really going to look at and think it's too wild. The Dodgers have been a perennial power. They've been a team that the Braves have gone up against in the postseason a number of times. I think five of the last six years, the eventual World Series champion has beaten the Dodgers. And that other year, the Dodgers won the World Series. So. You can understand why anyone would want to go to the Dodgers. Really good team. Get to live in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. Paid a bunch of money. He's paid 160, uh, I believe, 162 million dollars or something like that with the Dodgers. So that all made sense. Apparently, not so much. Sources said that Freddie Freeman indicated to some of his former teammates over the weekend that he was going to change agents, given his frustration with how his free agency concluded in March. The Braves, back in March, had apparently made a $135 million offer over five years that was on the table after the lockout ended. As reported in March, the lead negotiator for Excel, which is the agency that represents Freddie Freeman, contacted Alex Anthopoulos, the head of baseball ops for the Braves, and presented two proposals on behalf of Freeman that were significantly higher than that 135 offer and gave them an hour to respond. The Braves then reportedly bumped their offer to 140, but it wasn't close, so the deadline passed. Sources say... Close and Anthopolis agreed that there were no offers on the table and the Braves believing that Close's deadline meant Freeman was about to conclude a deal with another team, likely mm-hmm. the Dodgers quickly pivoted and signed the A's all-star Matt Olson to that huge deal for 8 years and $168 million and ended that with Freeman. So Brandon, it sounds like Freddie Freeman believed that his representation operated in a way that wasn't communicated to him as necessarily the plan and so now you got a situation where you saw he was very emotional on that return to Atlanta. He was someone that cared a lot about the way he was perceived. And Brandon, I think this always comes up in sports, whether it is the transfer portal in college or free agency in the pros, this notion that everyone is just always looking for the immediate best opportunity. And it's all about finance. Like If you can find a place where you are comfortable, where you are loved, and where you have accomplished at a high level, we hear people all the time that are fortunate enough, that have accomplished enough, and have put in the work enough to be able to talk about legacy conversations. Freddie Freeman, if he had stayed, could have been like a statue guy in Atlanta, like beloved down there. And because this was someone that may have operated... Without Freddie Freeman necessarily understanding the way he was doing, I I could understand being furious if you were Freddie Freeman. And I get it. He said, you know, I've got to move on. I'm happy to be a Dodger now. Clayton Kershaw even said in some comments, I hope we're not playing second fiddle because I think we've got a good team. There is that reality that you're paid a lot of money to right. play for a really good team that's got a chance to win something in October. But this is still his life and – it's one thing if he's making that decision, but if his representation is not dealing with him honestly in that, I'd be furious cuz man, messing it up at that level is legacy shit that we talk about for a lot of these guys. And if all else, if nothing else, it's just your life and that deserves to be decisions that you make and not
1: anyone else. Yeah, but also in the uh in the article I read, it sounded like That money that the Dodgers put on the table wasn't technically, after all the deals and things are done, and the the way the money moves around, and the way California withholds so much cash from its uh, residents, that it was more money on the table with the with the Atlanta Braves, like the place that he had been and cared so much about, and obviously winning that. When that World Series was so important for him, but obviously Atlanta in general. But you're talking about him being a fixture. I mean, you're not going to out Chipper Jones, Chipper Jones. But that guy said that he, that, that fan base cheered for him when he was 20 years old. Out there like he's his home is there and obviously his agent is probably thinking like oh let's continue your career the the dodgers on on a run they could they could uh they could get back and obviously you know win a world series like they did a couple seasons ago but you got to be in accord accordance i'd imagine with what your representation actually wants he's got to know for a fact that freddie freeman doesn't want to be anywhere else other than in atlanta
0: it's a bottom line. It's always the reminder in sports and in otherwise like hell, even in our job, your agent works for you like period Mm. end of sentence. And if someone is going rogue and that's not the case, that is foul in ways that like, I can't imagine how frustrating it must be for Freddie Freeman where they're because like you said, when he was 20 years old, like, Players are growing up at these places. You are becoming an adult in these cities, around these fan bases, with these organizations. Like, Family's I know we're. Up there. What and it's like it's why the the notion that you know it's not personal, it's just business, like all that stuff. It, it's hardly ever that simple when it comes to franchise level guys. For the rest of us, for right. the meat of the bell curve, for people that are foot soldiers, is like my dad always said you kind of understand your place in the pecking order, but guys above a certain level are allowed to kind of look at that relationship differently because it is because they're treated differently by the organization because they're treated differently by the fan base. And when it just boils down to it, I can't imagine the frustration of someone going out and acting in a way that wasn't communicated to me about my life and my livelihood. That'd be insanely
1: maddening. Right. And this is clear. We haven't mentioned this yet, but Freddie Freeman, this all happened on the ring ceremony night for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, they were getting their cha- they're getting their championship rings, their World Series rings, and obviously, if he knew this before going there, this first time he's returned to Atlanta since going off to the Dodgers, there's big emotions there. He already knew that he didn't, that he wasn't. Completely happy about it, about the, the move, but realizing in the MLB is like, okay, I'm in a good franchise. I need to count my blessings and and just sack up and 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 get to getting this team another championship. But emotions were high, and I think we need to understand that as well, because that does have to play a part in it. Like he, the agent obviously should not be his agent moving forward, but. It was just the cherry on top of a very emotional night for him returning back to a place he never wanted to leave.
0: I, I, well, no, I think there's a massive difference, though, between, hey, the organization, and you just couldn't come to terms on money, you were too far apart, and they decided to go somebody else versus we forced their hand in a way that maybe wasn't communicated mm. to me as the player. So, right, like, why'd you give them an hour? Yeah, it... it all of it's very interesting i wonder if we'll hear any more of this it seems like freddie freeman and the dodgers kind of want to put this behind them after all that now and make sure that the focus is on this team obviously both both teams have dealt with injury different complications of their season but are
1: obviously still Mike. what i I ain't seen a man boohoo like that in a press conference in a very very long time like he's he's hurt He is.
0: He is. I have a feeling there will be a concerted effort to make that go away because I can't imagine Dodgers fans are super pumped seeing that. Like, they're not used to playing. Like, as Clayton Kershaw said, that fan base isn't used to playing second fiddle to anybody the way that things have gone. So, I I think there will be that concerted effort to get that behind him and to put on a happy face that he is a Los Angeles Dodger down the stretch. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that. No happy faces at Wimbledon. Serena Williams losing in the first round to the 115th-ranked Harmony Tan of France. She loses 7-5, 1-6, 7-6, ultimately could not finish, uh, bowed out because of injury, I believe. But uh, Serena Williams coming back after over a year...
1: I think she, she finished no, she, that. Yeah, she, sorry,
0: she did. I'm sorry. She returned to the site of her singles match last year that she stopped because of injury right. and obviously has dealt with injury over the course of the last year, was using this. This was going to be her comeback and her re-entry at a tournament where we've been so used to seeing her have success. And this obviously an exit that nobody was prepared for.
1: Yeah, first round exit from her. Like, and I would say, don't do 40 year old uh, Serena Williams like that. And I'm, I'm only putting her age out there as a uh, rallying cry uh, for what she can do and, and has done. And she battled out there. I mean, there was a, it was a very, very, the entire match took like three hours long. Like, one game went over 20 minutes. Uh, I've been watching a lot of tennis movies, so I'm very invested. Excuse me. Uh, King Richard uh, being one of them. The other one uh, being uh, McElroy and, and Borg uh, with uh, Shia LaBeouf on the Wimbledon stage uh, before Borg won his fifth Wimbledon uh, over a very young John McElroy. But anyways, I, I thought this was an amazing way to, to finish out. And also, she's coming back, and she needs to work her way back. I mean, she played against someone whose coach played Serena twenty years ago. Like, think about this. Like, like th- this is some. It's a vet who's been on TV. This was she was excited and nervous to even be across uh, the net from from Serena Williams. And I think she's just making her comeback because I do want to see her participate in the U.S. Open in New York City um, later on this year. And I, I'm really hoping for her to, you know, maybe get one more but not that that, just have a better a better showing than a first round out
0: well and that really becomes the question so she hadn't played competitively in singles since her first round match in 2021 after dealing with a torn hamstring so there is all of that but Brandon the age is relevant because injury has popped up in this and now coming back from all this we know Serena Williams this is probably emotion after a you know Tough match, like you said, one that she tried to grind out, but she was asked whether this might have been her last match, and she replied, that's a question I can't answer. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows where I'll pop up? Like, Harmony Tan had a 2-6 and career record in Grand Slam tournaments before this matchup here. Like, this was not some sort of power that beat her. Williams exited a major in the first round for the third time in 80 appearances, and the mm. previous two were at a loss of the 2012 French Open and a mid-match retirement at Wimbledon last year, so almost a decade ago, Jeez. and then because of injury. like This is this is kind of where we're at, though, Brandon, with so many of our aging stars. LeBron James in the NBA injured more than yeah. we've been used to last year. Like we, we talk about the father time thing all the time, but t- you know, Tiger Woods in golf, obviously his was expedited by that horrific, life-threatening car crash, but... One way or another, we have arrived at a point where some of the greatest athletes of our generation, of your and my lifetime, are nearing the end of it in a way that's just going to be hard to avoid anymore. I don't know if we're going to see Serena Williams get to another Grand Slam victory anymore, another major win anymore. I just, like you said hope she gets to go out on her own terms, hope there gets to be some sort of celebration like that because we know we hate seeing injury retire anybody in this way, especially someone that's been as singularly dominant as Serena Williams. Like I can remember Brandon in middle school where – Serena and Venus at the height of tennis, having done so much, there was talk maybe they were going to step away. They had so many outside interests, fashion, all these other things that they had grown to want to accomplish. And then you have like another entire portion of their career that happens over the course of the next decade. It's insane
1: what the couldn't keep up with it once they were really in their dominance. Like it was like. The, the whole Z- being in Serena thing and getting them mixed up became like such a like uh, faux pas, obviously. But at one point in time, they were both winning everything. It was confusing. It,
0: it was just it, it was so, beating each other well, on the
1: big stages over and over again.
0: Well, and I guess that's the part that was so special about it is we talk about this so much in sports where. You have, you know, we talk about like quarterback matchups where people do rivalries where you could have even had, you know, Eli and Peyton in the crossover there or things like that. Like this was a sport where you got to truly have two of the best players in the sport at the same time that were sisters who also had to go up against each other in a very real way for a lot of those prizes. It was so unique as we've talked about the golden age of tennis on the men's side that happened parallel to that with the Nall Federer and Joker. Like this situation still felt so special with the Williams sisters with what went transpired. And so you you hope I know Serena uh, again, I doubt this is the last time that we see her. I think she has too much pride in what she's accomplished and the way we see with so many of these great athletes wanting to go out on their own terms. But this was definitely a setback that rocked a lot of tennis fans and a lot of people who are just Serena Williams fans, who I think are a bulk of the general tennis watching public.
1: Yeah, I think Serena Williams knows who she is. And if she knows, I think she knows herself as a tennis player, obviously more than anyone else would. I think this may have been more realistic for her. Coming out there, but I think that U.S. Open on U.S. soil in New York City—the uh, first time she won any Grand Slam was at the U.S. Open. I think this is her. This was that. Uh, what is that? That Tom Brady, Mac Jones game week four, like last season. Like I think she realizes that she needed actual game experience. Get out there, get in, get a matchup under you against the nobody. See how you fare, and 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 make the next one. Uh, actual comeback story. I mean, like like Serena is superhuman, like goat for so many reasons, and she's been disrespected in the media for uh, so many reasons and uh, just because of her dominance. But I really am pulling for her like let's not forget she she had to beat Venus to pull away and become Serena. like i I, I really do want to see her go out on top on our own terms, like we said, and and even if it's even if it's in a blaze of glory like this first round game was uh, I just want to see it on our terms and and see her be able to compete a little bit more but also at the end of the day like we said she's th- this isn't this isn't her time anymore. She it's past. Like now we're out here rooting for Coco, who grew up watching Serena. You know what I mean? Like I, well, I have and- I have my own rooting interest in, in this thing for other uh, Serena children laying out there. So like I just wanted I just wanted her to have peace with it.
0: The question of who comes next is always a fascinating one because you mentioned Coco Goff, Naomi Osaka, I think is forty-second in the world right now and has, you know. Talked openly about mental health and and some of the issues that she's had away from the court that have kept her from playing the tennis that she wants. Injury as of late has also undone her. So we always wait around. It's kind of like we talk about in golf. You have a lot of really good, but we just got done with transcendent in a way that defined the sport that's going to make whatever comes next or whoever comes next have a very tall order to fill. Mm -hmm. Brandon, let's get to the third and go out on our own terms because this is a unique combination of events that are near and dear Oof. to this podcast. Taco Bell right. and Cheez-It have teamed up for the debut of the new Big Cheez-It Tostada and the Big Cheez-It Wrap Supreme at one select test location in Irvine, California. The Big Cheez-It Tostada is an oversized Cheez-It square topped with Taco Bell seasoned beef, sour cream, fresh diced tomatoes, lettuce, and shredded cheese. The square itself... Made with 100% real cheese and ridges, but is 16 times the size of an original cheese at Square and goes off for only $2.49. As usual, the Taco Bell value that we've come to expect. The Big Cheese Tostada is also being tested at that range as well. The Crunchwrap Supreme, obviously seasoned beef, nacho cheese, all that stuff. But the, tost- the, price. the tostada shell swapped out for the oversized cheese at Cracker and then is wrapped inside of the tortilla and grilled to go. So, Brandon, I am salivating already thinking about this. And now that I'm out in California, this is my mission from God, Brandon. They say that the two most important dates in a person's life are the day they're born and the day they find out why. Stop. This is me. I've been built for this, Brandon. I've been You're built. Not going to I am
1: Brandon. You're not going out to Irvine. You're not. Because guess what? And that's why you don't got to. This is going on at this test location for two weeks or while supplies last. If I know my people from the who eat Taco Bell the way like I know my people who eat Taco Bell, they're gonna clean up in a week. Maybe that. Maybe give them 10 days. And they and then Taco Bell right next door to the test center, they're gonna be like, okay, we gotta. We gotta we gotta we gotta push this to the masses. We gotta we gotta print we gotta print a bunch of big ass cheez it's and send them around the world.
0: Brandon, I'm telling you, this just feels too much like fate. And I'm not usually a big believer in fate, but I did a college football digital show for four years that was sponsored by cheez It. Great relationship. I have been pounding Taco Bell through college drive throughs for as long as I can remember. Our dear friend Kyle Rudolph. NFL tight end free agent right now I was with him his wife and our buddy Dane at the Super Bowl in Miami and we left the NFL PA party to go have a sit-down dinner in a Miami taco Bell like that is dedication I, mean, I have sp- I have spent into triple did you know how hard it is to spend over a hundred dollars at a taco Bell you know how hard that is Brandon with the way things are priced on that menu not, I'll tell you I mean, how hard it is it's damn near impossible
1: and yet it, I have been I, a part of those moments I mean i, I I'll, I'll I've been guilty of putting $30 worth of items on there because I like the expensive tacos. I do. Like this, this big cheese at Crunch Wrap, that's going to be $4.29. That's, 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 that's a high end of taco. That's, that's near the, the top end of tacos at Taco Bell. And I like my tacos like that. I, know, I like a couple of them. And shouts out to Kyle Rudolph. You know, he introduced me. He changed my life. He introduced me to Culvers. Oh, God. Them butter, freshman year. The butter buns. Freshman year. Took me out. Set me down," he said. "This is this is it. This is that new new, and I haven't stopped going since. So, Kyle, Kyle knows his fast food. He's a true Cincinnati boy. And, you, and hey, you can you can take the boy out of Cincinnati, but that natty, that nasty natty, they're gonna follow that boy wherever he go.
0: Just like I'm gonna follow this wherever it goes, Brandon. You know, now that you've challenged <laughs> me, I'm gonna publicly declare it on this podcast. I'm Don't. going. I'm going to Irvine. I'm sampling the cheese at Taco Bell stuff. Mike, you never make it out. I'm going to put up a video from the Gojo accounts, and I'm going to let people know how great this was, Brandon. I'm making this promise now so everyone will hold me accountable to this because I'm doing it just because this is one I am 100% doing this just to prove the haters and the doubters wrong, and that is you. You are the haters and the doubters.
1: I don't think you're going to go get one of them big-ass, oversized, ridged, Cheese, it's like, are the are the salt crystals going to be oversized too? Like, like you are to you chew chew just like doing damn.
0: this to, like, are you doing this because you know, are you miyagi me right now where you know this is going to get a reaction out of me? Because the notion that you're genuinely doubting me on this is honestly frightening. <laughs> like, have you forgotten who the fuck I am?
1: Okay, okay. I haven't forgot who the fuck you are, but I know you're in LA, and you don't know you don't know Cali like I know Cali, and you think you think shit's sweet, and you think you're gonna pull up and get a cheese it, and it's gonna be gone by the time you get there, Mike. I'm telling you, it's gonna be gone. You're gonna be like, oh, I made the whole drive, and they're like, okay, well, do you want a regular country frame And you're like, yes, thank you. All do right. you have any? Do you have any big cheese it crusts you can sprinkle on it? Right, I'm telling you, it's real out here in Cali. You think you're the only person out here. It's not like Connecticut. Shit be gone. That's fine, Brandon. You know what? I believe in a little saying called, where there's a will, there's a way. Okay. Listen, I don't want you to... I, look, looking at this picture, I have to say, we haven't talked about what it looks like. It looks delicious. And I hope it's sold everywhere eventually and stays on the menu for a very, very long time. And shout out to Bob Miller for writing the article uh, <laughs> over at Chew Bomb. Uh, but I am... I, I want you to experience it, but also I'm hating a little bit because you in California.
0: I am going to do some awful things to this Big Cheese at Crunchwrap Supreme. The longer I look at it. The yeah. more I like, am it's destined real. to put several of these, and I am like in a full diet starts Monday mode right now. Coming off what I've done to my body in the lead up to that tournament for the last couple of weeks, and I will throw it all out the window in the name of science and discovery on this historic mission. <laughs> that again, I I am a weapon. I am I am merely a vessel for the Lord on this one. Like this is just my purpose, oh, and I man. cannot not go through with this.
1: Sixteen, sixteen times the size. Of an original Cheez-It. That's what you're going after right now. Can't wait. Bart Scott voice. Can't wait. Godspeed, sir. For everyone that's made it this far in
0: the podcast, you're welcome in this instance. Because we have finished on a strong note here. Download, subscribe, rate, (laughs) review, (laughs) gojo. Wherever you get your podcast, Leave us a five-star rating. And make sure you leave us a review there. I hope you're not among the doubters like Brandon Newman who don't believe that I am going to accomplish this historic mission. We will keep you posted, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.